You're listening to audio from Redwood Baptist Church. If you need any more information about us, go to weareredwood.org. We hope that the message that you're about to hear will strengthen you, encourage you, and make you more like Jesus. Blessings. If you would, take your Bibles. We're going to look at the book of Psalms, Psalm 139. If you would, turn to Psalm 139. We're going to look in the book of Psalm uh, this morning. Um, both messages this morning uh, and then the few moments to come in our main service. Let's read here in Psalm 139, verses 23 to 24. The Bible says this, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any wicked way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. I want you to do something with me this morning. I want you to read those two verses with me, okay? Let's start here. One, two, three. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any wicked way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. Our culture has grown in its ability to be private. Okay? We desire privacy. And most of us have a passcode on our cell phones right now, okay? We have passwords on our computers. We do all we can to guard against invaders. We want to keep what is private to us only private to us. We have become very much guarded people, and with that sometimes fake people. But don't get me wrong. You want to, in many ways, keep those things that are personal to yourself. And why I say those things this morning about privacy, about us being a guarded people, this morning we're going to look here at Psalm 139, those verses 23 to 24, and we're going to see that David is asking God to spotlight search himself. Okay? He is coming to the Lord open and honest. And yet you and I live in that culture today where we love privacy. I remember when I first started working here at Redwood. I was working on a design in my office and on my computer all of a sudden a pop-up appeared on my screen saying something along the lines of warning computer will not work anymore. Um, You will pretty much lose everything if you do not call technical support. And it gave me this number and I was afraid. I was like oh man it looked like Apple sent me this. I was just on my computer working on a design for the church and then all of a sudden this popped on my, on my screen and I was like, oh man, I, I can't have my computer shut down. I can't lose everything. So it gave me this number and so I decided to call the number. So I called the number and I said, um, and some guy picked up and he said, hey, this is technical support. You having a problem with your computer? And I was like, yes, I'm having a problem with my computer. I need your help. I need to figure out what's going on. It's going to shut down. I'm going to lose everything. And the guy said, no worries. I got you. I need you to go to this website. Type in this website. Go there. And I'll tell you what to do next. And so I typed it in as quick as I could. Got to the website. And then right on the website, he said, there's this pin that I got to give to you and that um, will give me access to your computer so I can search for the problem. And I said, okay, cool. And so I gave him access. I put in the pin, and then he said, look at the screen. I said, all right, I'm looking at the screen. He says, do you see your mouse icon going around the screen? I said, yeah. 
I said, yeah, it's, it's working. He's like, okay, cool. He's like, just give me a minute. I'm going to start searching through your computer to find the problem. And for some reason, it never hit me during that process. But then I thought to myself, this is, this is weird. Like, uh, he's searching just through all my computer. And I thought to myself, you know what? Let me check something. So I took out my phone. Uh, and I began to search the web on my phone. And I typed in the, the web address that, that he gave to me. And right away, article after article came up saying, scam, scam, do not let them have access, do not let them have access. And I just, like, my heart dropped. I was like, oh, no. Pastor in the other office, uh, uh, in the other office in the, um, there, and I was just like, oh, man, what's going on? And so quickly, I shut, I, 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 I got off of the computer, I shut it down. And then I went into pastor's office and I said, somebody was just on my computer. Somebody was looking through my computer. He's like, what do you mean? I was like, I gave access to this guy. I thought my computer was going to shut down. And he just looked at me just like terrified because on my computer has the records of my debit card, has private information about myself. And at that moment, I was being invaded. At that moment, my privacy was no longer there. And some guy was searching around there trying to find all those sensitive information. And so I understand that privacy is huge in the day and age we live in. A lot of people go through identity theft, and they, and they lose their identity, and they lose all their money. They, get, they go through a hard, hard time. Now, if we're not careful, this sense of privacy sometimes can in some ways transform into our relationship with God. We find here that in Psalm 139, probably one of the most encouraging passages of Scripture, but also one of the most invasive passages of Scripture. We find here the theme of omniscience. Anyone know what the word omniscience means? That means all-knowing. That means God has this attribute that you and I don't possess. He possesses the attribute of knowing all things. Not only that, he possesses the attribute of omnipotence, which means he is all-powerful. And then he possesses also the attribute of omnipresence, means he can be everywhere. Yet David records for us in this passage of omniscience, God's overwhelming um, a reality of knowing everything, he records for us some awesome truths of God. See, God knows everything from the big things of life to the most minute things of life. There is no way we can escape his eyes. He sees everything. He sees our every step. He knows our every move. And we see this in verse 2 of Psalm 139. Look at verse 2. It says this, Thou knowest my down sitting and my uprising. Thou understandest my thought afar off. And that is saying there, understandest my thought afar off. That's before you've even formed that thought, he already knows it's coming. That's amazing. He knows that. But then he goes even further into the knitting of us in our mother's womb and how that makes us all unique, that there was no copies or mass-produced human beings, but each of us are made with precision and care. See, God knows the big things of your life, yet he knows the intricate things of your life. He knows the smallest details to the largest de uh, details, and he knows you personally because he knits you with precision and care. Look at verses 13 through 16. For thou hast possessed my reins. In other words, he says, thou hast formed myself. Thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. 
My substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Thine eyes did see my substance yet being unperfect, and in thy book all my members were written, which in continuance were fashioned, when as yet there was none of them. God already knew who you were going to be. He wanted to make you perfect in his image. He wanted to make you precise, and he cares about you. So never take for granted who you are. Understand that you have been made by the creator. Love who you are. How amazing is this? David shows us how much God knows about us. But David takes this passage just a little bit further and a little bit deeper. David wants a spotlight search. He knows that God knows, but David wants to know even further what God knows. David is disabling the passcode of his own heart. David wants God to search him because we are not omniscient. We don't know everything. And some of you guys say, I do pretty much know everything. But a lot of us, here's the thing, we're not omniscient. And yet David understands that reality. If you think about it, who we are has a lot of hidden rooms and blind spots that we don't even know about. I'll tell you right now, being married for four months has shown me a lot of hidden rooms and blind spots in my own life that I thought, man, I really struggle with that or, oh, I got a tendency for that. And I didn't even know There's a lot of hidden rooms and blind spots in our own lives, and sometimes we are made up like that Winchester Mansion in San Jose. Has anyone been to the Winchester Mansion in San Jose? That is famous for the 160 rooms mansion, all right? I've gone there, Jess and I have gone there with some friends, and it's crazy, the, the, the design, everything is insane. You'll go in, you'll open one door, and then there's a bunch of other doors, and you open that door, which leads to another room and another door and another door. 160 rooms, and yet sometimes that's how we are. That's how we are made sometimes. And David wants every room that resides in himself to be fully accessed and searched. So what David is doing, going beyond knowing that God knows everything, David is personally willing to open up himself and ask God to search him. As I said before, we become such a private people. Such a don't come into my space, don't access this part of me. We've become a people who have locked doors in our hearts. And yet David here is coming to the omniscient God and saying, I want you to have access to everything. I want you to open up every door of my life. I want you to search me. Spotlight search. I want to be open and honest. And so this morning, David asked God to do three things that I believe we should as well ask in our daily lives. Number one, search my heart. Look at verse 23. Search me, O God, and know my heart. As I said before, Psalm 139 speaks of that omniscience, which means that God knows everything. So from verse 1 to verse 24, David testifies of that truth. God knows when David sleeps. God knows when David wakes up. God knows every word David will speak and the intent behind the words. God knows everything there is to know about David, but David still asks God to search him. 
It's interesting that if you read verse number one here, you'll find this. David says in verse number one, look, Psalm 139, O Lord, thou hast searched me and know me. It's crazy that he begins off saying, you've already done it. But then he tail ends right back around and he says, search me again. Know me again. And he says this because David wants the Lord to continually know him, to continually search him. He does not want to hide anything from God. He wants to be wide open and completely honest. David starts off with this specific request. He asks God to search his heart. Our hearts are more dangerous and deceiving than we could ever imagine. We tend to lessen the destructive nature of our hearts. And if you would see, our culture loves the heart. All right? Growing up, you'll always see these beautiful hearts made that uh, during, especially Valentine's Day, when it's encouraged, and you'll see all these beautiful hearts, you know, greatly shaped hearts, and they're red, and they're awesome. You'll even buy probably a stuffed heart to give to somebody, or you'll get them a candy-shaped heart. And if you think about it, if you actually go Google what a heart looks like, it's not that great looking, actually. (laughs) So it's actually pretty ugly looking. But we've been trained to see those hearts and to think that they're okay. We're trained to see those and think, oh, this is, it's fine. Just follow your heart. You hear phrases like, what is your heart telling you? We sometimes get to the point where we become so desensitized. We live off of the feelings of our hearts instead as Christians living off at the foundation of our faith. Feelings are not bad and God has given us feelings and emotions, but feelings and emotions are not good leaders in certain aspects of our life. Our hearts were not designed to be followed. Our hearts were designed to be led. Author John Bloom says this, follow your heart is a creed embraced by billions of people. It's a statement of faith in one of the great pop culture myths of our day. A gospel proclaimed in many of our stories, movies, and songs. It can sound so simple, beautiful, and liberating. It's tempting to believe. He calls it a gospel. Follow your heart is a false gospel. And yet we do see it weaved into the music that we listen to sometimes, weaved into the movies that we see. Like Jess and I just recently saw Toy Story 4, okay? Not the first one. Toy Story 4. And there was a part there where Woody had a, oh, sorry, my bad. If you haven't seen it, I don't want to spoil it. Wow, I almost spoiled Toy Story 4. Thank you, Haley, for that, that indication of don't tell me, okay? But let's get back to <laughs> I'm so sorry. Oh, man. Well, let's get back to it. Weaved into movies, into stories, it's this pro- proclamation that your heart is something to be followed. But as I said before, your heart is meant to be led not followed. Jeremiah 17:9 he describes it like this and I pray that we never get over this fact may it always be true for us that the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked who can know it. Jeremiah describes our heart as deceitful and not just wicked but desperately wicked. In other words our hearts are polluted and sick. We cannot follow or trust our hearts. Proverbs 28, 26 encourages this way. He that trusteth in his own heart is a fool. But whoso walketh wisely, he shall be delivered. Ecclesiastes 9, 3 describes the heart of men like this. 
this is an evil among all things that are done under the sun. There is one event, not all. Yea, also the heart of the sons of men is full of evil. And madness is in their heart while they live. And after that, they go to the dead. This is the condition of our hearts. This is the reality of every human being born into this world. And for the Christian and non-Christian, the heart of the problem is the problem of the heart. The heart of the problem is the problem of the heart. For the, uh, and David knows this. David knows his heart. He's not faking it or sugarcoating it. He's not coddling it. He's not making it a pet. He wants his heart to be searched. He wants his heart to be exposed for what it really is. And he wants his heart to be changed. He wants his heart to be rescued. He knows that in giving into his heart, he will be a fool. David knows the consequences of following his heart. His heart has led him into trouble before. I think you know the trouble that is recorded in the Bible, that David allows his heart to lead him. He commits adultery and he commits murder. He follows his heart into adultery and into murder. In fact, if we do what our hearts tell us to do, we will pervert and impoverish every desire, every beauty, every person, every wonder, and every joy. Our hearts want to consume these things for own self-glory and self-indulgence. Following our hearts will not lead us to a life of joy and peace. Following our hearts will lead us to a life of selfishness and destruction. See, our hearts were not designed to be followed but to be led, and David understands that bringing his heart before the Lord and asking God to search his heart is critical. As believers, Jesus has come to save us from our hearts. Jesus has come to rescue our hearts. Jesus has come to lead us our hearts. And here's the thing, he cannot save, rescue, and lead our hearts until we are willing to be open and honest. Until we are willing to get off of the throne of our hearts and allow Jesus to sit on the throne of our hearts. Your heart is not for you. God is for you. God is greater than your heart's Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lead not into thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. We do not trust our hearts. We trust in the Lord with all our hearts. Okay? Let God search your heart and let him lead your heart. But David doesn't stop there. He says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. But he continues to go. He wants to be open and honest. He continues to go and he says, know my thoughts. Try me. Know my thoughts. I think even more probably um, crucial is not just our hearts, but I think sometimes it's our thoughts. Because our hearts can lead us out to that action, right, that can be seen, and yet our minds are something that is hard for people to read hard for people to know unless you're a mind reader but you're not so we have an ability to hide so well in our thoughts and David wants God not only to search his heart but to try him and to put him to the test like how metal is proved and examined 
what he thinks about. He wants God to examine his thoughts, what he thinks about, what, he, what passes through his mind, what occupies his imagination, what captivates his affection and controls his will. I know Pastor did a series on fighting sin, right? Do you know fighting sin does take some work? And thinking about your thoughts takes work as well. It's not just being on cruise control that when a thought comes into your head, you actually think about what you're thinking about. And yet David is here saying, God, I need you because I want to think about what I think about so what I think about is right because you know that. You know my thoughts because ultimately these things, they occupy our imaginations. They pass through our mind. They affect what we do. And on an average, we have about 50,000 to 70,000 thoughts a day. Okay? But you know what's the sad part about that? That nearly 70 to 80% of those thoughts are negative. We think a lot, and sometimes we think about the same things over and over again. Now we have to understand that our thoughts are connected to our hearts, and so our hearts are sick and polluted. Our minds can become that as well. And that nearly 70 to 80% of our thoughts are negative. So the way we think and what we think about is very important. Proverbs 23, 7 says, For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. See, one of the greatest wars we'll fight is the war in our heads. And the war in our heads is a war no human being can see. So therefore, it's easy for us, as I said before, to hide in our thoughts. It's easy for us to dwell on things that are inappropriate. It's easy for us to, to think about things that shouldn't be thought about. And yet David's pointed out in the first verse, God has searched and known. And yet in verse 2, that God understands that thought afar off. God knows so much about you. He even knows the thoughts that will be formed before they even come to your head. He knows it. And yet David wants God to still test his thoughts, still try them. He wants to expose his thoughts. He wants God to point out what is good and what isn't. He wants, David to, he wants God to point out um, what is right and what is wrong. I think we can all agree we struggle in this area. No one in here has a perfect thought life, and our minds need rescue just like our hearts. So once again, he's being open and honest. I believe every single person in here would not want his or her thoughts to be up on those screens this morning. Man, if we could take your thought from this whole week, the thoughts, the things that were floating in your head, and threw them up on the screen, I think a lot of us would probably not be here for the second service. And yet David's saying, God, throw it up on a screen. I want you to see it. I want you to examine these. Albert Barnes says this about David, specifically about this passage. He says this, and I think this is, this is awesome. He must be a very sincere man who prays that God will search his thoughts. For there are few who would be willing that their fellow men, even their best friends, should know all that they are thinking about. There is a level of sincerity and humility that, and trust that we need to have when we come to God completely open and honest. And yet David's not playing games. He wants God to know his thoughts. We need God on the daily, on the regular, 
We need God desperately every second of every minute of every hour of every day. We need him to see our thoughts. We need him to guide our thoughts. And Paul gives us an awesome filter to put our minds through, to help us. He says in Philippians 4, 8, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Take your mind and put them through this filter of good things to think about. First Peter 1.13, Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind. Be sober and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. We need God to search our thoughts. We need God to try us. Let's be a people that's open and honest. It's our relationship with the Lord that we should desire to be so so cultivated. Let's not be a people with locked doors to where God has to somehow break through just to, just to come in. And then finally here, the final thing is expose any wicked ways and lead me into the path of righteousness. David finally asked God to reveal to him any wickedness and appoint him back if he has strayed away from the right path. He does not want to live in that way or follow the way of wickedness, but rather follow what is right. So look at the sequence here, because they're all tied together. Your heart, your thoughts, your actions. Your living, the way you conduct, they're all tied together. And yet David says, search me. Look at my heart, change my heart, then that will change my thoughts, which then will change the way I live. If I've strayed, show me the wickedness. Show me the places that I've made idle. Show me the things that take away from you. And then get me back. Help me to get back. And here's the awesome thing about it, is that when you expose yourself to the Lord, you're actually securing for yourself joy. When you expose yourself to the Lord, you're actually securing for yourself peace when you expose yourself to the Lord, when you have taken down the passcodes and the passwords and you've said, God, look at my heart, my thoughts, change me if I've been on the wicked way, help me to get back on the right way, you're actually securing for yourself real joy. I think parents know this very well. When you tell your kids, don't do that. Don't touch the stove when it's hot, please. You're not stealing anything from them, right? You're not stealing from them this fun thing to do. You're actually protecting them so they can have a better life. And what God does is in his word, he gives us restriction. Now let that not be a curse word here. He gives us restriction. He gives us boundaries. He gives us the Holy Spirit to help us figure out what places we can go and where we cannot go. And he does those things for the purpose of securing for you joy. For when we follow those things, our lives are actually better. Our lives are enjoyable. But yet when we think God is a killjoy, we end up in a lot of pain. We end up in a lot of hurt when we cross those boundaries that he set lovingly. One of the things that I love to tell the teenagers or actually help them understand is that in our culture today, it's so sad that what God has called beautiful, which is 
sex. It is nothing but just the fleshly thing that happens nowadays. You have Tinder, swipe right, swipe left. And God says, that beautiful thing that I call sex, I've put into this box where it can flourish, where it can be seen awesome. But when it's out of this box, what does it turn into? Pain, heartache, no commitment. It it turns it into girls being ones who now feel so less or guys taking it and using it as such an object of sin when we call talk about sex trafficking and how it just goes into these dark sinful areas that that does not build up anymore does not bring joy anymore but what it does is it destroys lives when God said look I put it in this awesome secure box for you so that you can understand it enjoy it the greatest of all and and you know my heart when you keep it in this way and so I, it burdens me for, the, for our teenagers that, that they would see that, that they would say, God, I want to stay pure for you. I want to stay pure for the person you have for me because I know ultimately marriage, I can enjoy it to the deepest and fullest the way you've made it to be. That burdens me because it seems like, it doesn't seem, that's how our world is today. They take the boundaries and the good things that God has placed and they rip it apart and yet now we have all this destruction. And so let me tell you this, David is not incriminating himself because he thinks, oh, God, you're just going to destroy me. He incriminates himself because he knows he's got a good God. He knows he's got an awesome God. He knows he's got a God that loves him, and yet he wants to enjoy life to the fullest. And that is exposing yourself to the Lord. Don't leave any more doors locked today in your life. Allow God to come through, search, try, and lead. He wants to do that. He wants to give you the fullest joy possible in your life. Let's pray.